Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'll take a look at the Airbus A350 paint problem, and Tom will take a look at where the A340-600 will be heading soon. Joe will talk about her Emirates premium economy experience, while I look at why Airbus is flying a small jet right behind an A350. Finally, I'll explore how Flybe 2.0 is gearing up for operations. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, I think it's about time that you started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we've had an interesting update this week um, on the A350 paint saga. Now, those who've been following this issue will um, remember that Qatar Airways has been complaining mm. of issues with the paint surface on its A350s. Um, and yeah. actually, they've gone ahead and grounded 20 out of their fleet of 53. Um, and this problem has even seen them bringing back the A380 to provide some relief capacity while those A350s are out of action. Um, so mm. it's been going on for many months. And, you know, way back along, he said it's nothing to, or Qatar's uh, CEO, Akbar al Bakr, said it's nothing to do with the paint. And then later on, he said, oh, actually, it is to do with the paint. Um, but now we've got a lot more clarity on what's going on. And more worryingly, the issue seems to be more widespread than first thought. Um, so essentially what's happening is the surface of the A350's paintwork is um, degrading to the point where it's actually kind of showing some cracks. Now, because mm. the A350 is a composite fuselage aircraft, it doesn't conduct lightning in the same way that a, a metal aircraft would. So um, to combat this problem and to make it safe, they've installed like a mesh just over the surface that is like a mm. lightning conducting mesh. And then the paint kind of the surface and the paint goes over the top of that. So where the paint is breaking down, it started to expose this mesh. Um, and it seems that Qatar's problem is that so in some places, the mesh is actually starting to gap. Um, they're not quite sure okay. why. Um, it's not unsafe, um, but Qatar's, you know, they say that they're acting on the concerns of their own civil aviation authority um, by grounding these aircraft. So that's what's happening. A lot of people thought that it was down to the conditions in which Qatar operates, you know, and it was kind of a, a problem that was unique to them. Um, obviously, they, they're in a desert climate, gets very hot, gets quite cold at night as well. You know, they're flying to different places, mm. but the aircraft are spending a lot of time in bright sunshine and high heat. Um, however, it appears that um, thanks to some investigations by Reuters, um, it's actually more widespread than you would have thought. Um, so Reuters have had access to this private maintenance message board that's used by Airbus and some A350 operators. Mm. And there are at least five other airlines that have complained about the deterioration of the painted surface. Um, they name specifically Finnair, Cathay Pacific, Etihad, Lufthansa and Air France, but complaining about Air Caribe's mm. aircraft, not their own, apparently, um, all complained about the issue. Because um, I remember that... Um, Lufthansa around about the same time that um, Qatar Airways sort of first started kicking off sent some of its earlier A380s to be repainted at Toulouse and I believe that was under warranty wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we, I noted that in my coverage, actually, that um, they they said it was to apply the new livery and they did get the new livery, hmm. which looks very nice on the A350. Um, but it was notable that Lufthansa usually does its own painting, yeah. um, but they'd sent it back to Airbus and it was being done under warranty. You know, these aircraft were only a couple of years old. Hmm. Um, 
but you know that's unconfirmed this is pure speculation between me and Tom um, but yeah. uh, but no, according to the Reuters report, all of them had cited cosmetic damage on the A350s. Um, Thin Air, who was actually Europe's first A350 operator, said the paint was damaged just a year after taking its first A350. Mm. Um, Cathay Pacific raised similar issues just a couple of weeks after that. Um, and when in one post, they said they'd found an issue on an A350 just two weeks after they'd taken delivery. Um, so it's a bit of a mess for Airbus to sort out. Yeah, um, it I sounds like it's quite difficult to get paint to stick to this lightning mesh that they've got. And that's a bit of an issue. Mm. The other issue they've got is that paint, a lot like aluminium, will expand and contract in different temperatures. Mm. Carbon composite won't. Um, so you've kind of got the the paint and the carbon composite having a bit of a push and pull tug of war. And it seems to be causing these problems. Um, obviously, the Dreamliner is also carbon composite. And if you look back, they did have some issues with paint finish as well in the early days. So they've obviously found a way around it. Hopefully Airbus will too. Um, but, you know, the important thing to note is this is not a safety issue. It doesn't make those planes unsafe. It is a, com a, a cosmetic issue. Um, and obviously customers, you know, you don't want paint peeling on your brand new aircraft that you've only had mm. for a few months. So, um, you know, it's something that Airbus needs to resolve, but it's nothing that people should be worried about as a passenger at all. Yeah, I mean, it's um, making me think just go down to P&Q and get some Dulux. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a way. Maybe it's a, a different sort of paint they need or something. But yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll find out in the long run. Mm, it's never that easy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to stick on the Airbus theme, if I may. Um, and I have exciting... And the Lufthansa theme as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it's quite uh, exciting because I was reading um, Aero Telegraph the other day and they'd discovered that Lufthansa is going to be bringing the A34600 back to Frankfurt after all. Hooray! So it's not going to be for a super long time according to scheduled data as it stands, but uh, 47 rotations have been loaded into the schedule from early 2022. Cool. And basically... Um, what they're going to be doing is going from Frankfurt to New York from um, January 2022 and uh, the 13th, actually, until the end of February. So it's it's interesting because, you know, we were expecting these planes to come back next summer and only from Munich. Um what we were told by a Lufthansa spokesperson is that they're going to be they're still going to be reactivated for the summer flights from Munich but um since all five can't be reactivated at once the first ones are going to be available earlier and according to current planning these will be deployed successively from Frankfurt starting in January okay um so i mean it's it's quite exciting because that kind of suggests we could see a bit more from Frankfurt as well mm. um i guess the reason that they're using it is because the A350600 is one of Lufthansa's jets with a first class cabin and it may be a little bit of a dated um first class cabin depending on who you ask but it's still there compared to some of the newer aircraft mm. um the aircraft's got a total of 281 seats throughout the cabin so at the front end in the pointy end although both ends are pointy so i don't know why people call it the pointy end <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, I would say the back is pointier. Um, <laughs> at the front end, you've got eight first-class seats in a one-to-one -one layout, and then you've got the business cabin that's 56 seats, and that's already in two-two-two layout, so there's no direct aisle access if you've got a window. Then right behind business, you've got economy, uh, premium economy, which only has one more seat per 
uh, row. That's in a 2 3 2 configuration, just 28 seats there. And then you add one more seat again when you get to economy with 242 configuration and 189 seats. But there's one reason that the A350 600 really stands out with um, like sort of av geeks and you and me and people who love aviation. And do you know why that is, Joe? I do, I think. Is it to do with a bathroom? Yes, it is. So it's not usual that passengers can venture down into the hold of a commercial aircraft. But Lufthansa's A340-600s actually have five restrooms underneath the passenger seating area. Cool. Um, of course, you know, you've, this is a comment that always comes up whenever we've reported this is, uh, what about people with mobility issues? It's not fair on them. But there are um, main deck restrooms should passengers with mobility issues require them. Mm, um, so, you know, I'm patiently waiting and excited and hoping that the weather might be a tiny bit nicer by January so I can take some nice pictures because mm -hmm. it's just cold and rain and wet at the moment. It and, is. It's you know, not very pleasant. I've been, I've been trying to see the British Airways A380 flying past and some days it's just been looking at a cloud and thinking, I know it's there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, best of luck with that venture, Tom. Let's hope for some nicer weather. <laughs> mm. So I wanted to talk, funnily enough, about another Airbus, <laughs> and this is the biggest one of all. Um, it's the A380, and uh, I had the pleasure when we went to Dubai Air Show a couple of weeks back. I can't believe it's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> I miss it. I know. Take me back. <laughs> I had tropical weather at the weekend inside, so that was nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the pleasure of flying to Dubai from London on board Emirates A380, but not in any okay, old seat. Okay, rub it in. <laughs> yes, not in any old seat. In the brand new premium economy cabin, uh, which is only currently on about six aircraft, I believe. Um, mm. It's not actually for sale yet. Um, so Tim Clark told us at Dubai that it's going to be for sale in around June. Um, so you will be able to book it soon. But at the moment, you can't even book yourself into it. Um, it's literally Emirates are upgrading certain frequent flyers and preferred passengers, um, basically at their at their discretion. So um, it's a bit hit and miss whether you'll get in there. Um, but if you do, mm. it's pretty cool. It's located in rows 33 to 40 on the lower deck of the aircraft. Um, and it's in a 242 layout. So you've got two two nice big spacious seats by the windows on either side. Um, the middle seats mm. I didn't get to try out. Um, they look pretty good, but I would say, you know, with the four across, it's probably better to try and go for a window seat if you can. Um, yeah. So for a start, you get to board from the front door, which is great because you feel like a business class passenger going down the other jet bridge. <laughs> I mean, you get to do that in economy as well on the other ones. Oh, uh, well, they they didn't. Um, for my one, all the economy passengers were going down the rear jet bridge. So I was just like, hey, mm. swatting off down the front jet bridge. Um, and then, of course, you get to pick up the stairs as you get on the aircraft and it all feels very exclusive and very lovely. Um, I will say, you know, Emirates, I think, Tim Clark's described it as doing an Emirates on the premium economy product. And they really have, you know, you step on and it's like, wow, it looks so good with the wood paneled sides and the cream leather seats. You know, it's very, hmm. very nice, very private jet-esque, if you like. Um, yeah. So there's 56 seats in the cabin. It doesn't feel very crowded. It still feels quite exclusive. Um, the ones at the very front, row 33, have got huge amounts of leg room because they've got a bulkhead in front of them. Um, the downside of that is the IFE is a long way away because it's right on the bulkhead wall. And I'm not sure if my USB cables would have reached to charge my phone from there. Um, but, you know, and also you have to put your bags at the top for taxi takeoff and landing um, because you've got yeah. no seat to put them under. But other than that, the front seats are pretty good options if you like to stretch out. Um 
the as I say, the seats are all in cream leather with the lovely stitching. I'm sure everyone's seen the photos. You get about a five inch recline um it's not electric like you'd expect in business class it's a case of pushing a button and then kind of shoving Premium the economy. seat <laughs> to go backwards don't, don't upsell it too much <laughs> and uh, you know it does take a bit of an effort it's a bit like those old lazy boy recliners you might have had back in the 90s um and there's a footrest under the seat in front which is great and there's also the calf rest which is lovely and comfy but again it's a bush it's a button and trying to kind of get it up um it's not not an electrical function and you've got your six-way mm. adjustable headrest, so you've got somewhere to lean your face without having to sort of resort to the window, which is nice. Um, mm. So I don't want to kind of put it down because I really appreciate Emirates putting me in premium economy and giving me the opportunity to get some sleep on my way to a very busy week in Dubai. Um, there are some bits and pieces that were kind of could have been done better, if you like. Um, so at the moment, the service is exactly the same as economies. So there's no point in talking about the food or anything like that. Hmm. I would hope when it is properly being sold, the food would get a little upgrade and you might get an amenity yeah. kit or something as well. We we did see the new food when we uh, stepped on it in at the air show. Oh, I was too busy trying to find somewhere to sit down and rest my poor aching feet, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, so the biggest issue is when the people in front of you recline, as the people going out to Dubai wanted to basically from as soon as they were allowed to for the entire flight, the seats come right back and you cannot get out of your own seat. Um, like literally, you just can't get out. Um, you can just about do it by kind of clambering onto the seat base of your own seat and stepping across onto the seat base of the other seat, which is fine because my like neighbour seat was empty. Um, but obviously, it's not ideal if you've got someone sitting next to you. Um, but the biggest issue is that these people in front of me were obviously keen to get some rest. They didn't want any dinner. They wanted just to sleep. But because I wanted to eat, the tray table that comes out of the central armrest literally doesn't come out if the people in front are completely reclined. So to my horror and mortification, the flight attendant had to tap one of these sleeping passengers on the shoulder and say, can you put your, your seat upright so the lady behind you can have some dinner? Um, so that was, <laughs> that was a bit embarrassing. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, in most cases, Cases, most people would stay awake to have the dinner you know probably won't happen mm. very often but it's a bit of a design flaw that you literally cannot get your tray table out if the person in in front of you is fully reclined there are a few other little niggles like for instance you've got a usb outlet on your ife screen but there's only one ac plug so if both passengers want to charge a laptop they'll have to take it in turns because um, there's mm. only one per two people um, i also found that the cream leather um, Emirates describes it as stain resistant leather, um, which, you know, mm. I'm sure it's sold as that. But actually, you know, if you look closely at the seats, they're already starting to look a bit grubby. Um, they're, they're obviously taking some dye out of people's jeans or something. There's just a bit of discoloring already. And this plane was less mm. than a year old. So you've got to imagine how are those seats going to look like five, six, seven years from now? Um, probably not mm. all that nice, <laughs> but I don't want to pick on it. You know, I don't, it was a very lovely experience, much better than economy. I did get some sleep. I would pick it again. And I was very comfortable. Um, I would imagine Emirates, they haven't announced any pricing, but I would imagine it's going to be an uplift of maybe 20, 25% over standard economy. Mm. Would I pay that? Yes, I absolutely would. I think it's, you know, if you take into account the fact you're going to get better food, you get more privacy, you get more comfort, a bigger screen, um, you're probably going to get other things like um, seat selection and extra bags to check in so you know I think all in all 
it's going to be an investment worth making. It is a shame Emirates couldn't have just given them that extra one or two inches of pitch, which would have enabled people to get out to use the bathroom and to get their tray tables out for dinner without waking other people. But I think overall, it's going to be a great product. And I'm looking forward to seeing them rolling it out on 107 extra aircraft, I believe it is. Well, sticking with the Airbus theme, because it seems to be the Airbus podcast special today, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to now jump back to the A350 but I don't want to talk about paint. I want to talk about engines. Okay. Engines are exciting. Um, Paint's exciting, but engines are exciting. Um, So basically, you know, Airbus has been working with uh, Rolls-Royce, Neste, and the DLR, uh, not the um, Docklands Light Railway, but rather a German research institute. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've been trying to basically fly an A350 on 100% sustainable aviation fuels, which is quite cool on um, on the sort of top of it, because, you know, we know that sustainable aviation fuel isn't the answer to aviation's carbon, but we also know that it's like a sort of huge interim answer to the problem, and it's better than fossil fuels. But right now, you know, only I think about 50% um, aviation fuel is currently uh, certified for use in planes, and, you know, Rolls-Royce and Airbus and others are keen to make that 100%. So, you know, Rolls-Royce is already aiming to certify its entire Trent engine lineup for sustainable fuels by 2023. One of these air engines is the XWB engine, which powers the Airbus A350. And, you know, they've already been running this thing on the ground um, on sustainable fuels, and it showed that it would work. But it doesn't really tell you how well it would work. And short of um, actually sort of flying right behind an A350 and measuring the data for yourself, you can't really accurately get it. So what did Airbus do? They flew right behind an A350 running on 100% sustainable aviation fuels. Mm -hmm. So um, what they did was they took a Falcon aircraft from uh, the DLR, and it was only flying about 100 meters behind the A350, but it's got loads of probes on that measure the atmospheric conditions. And because it's so close to the aircraft, um, it's getting the stuff that's coming out of the aircraft right away before it sort of dissipates into the atmosphere. Um, and, you know, they haven't actually given any solid data yet because it's still they're still testing it and still analysing the data. But, you know, um, they said that, you know, it, things are looking promising with their uh, 100% aviation fuel burn and not just from a sort of uh, the point of view of... Um, like you're just recycling carbon rather than generating new carbon, mm. but also with some other bits here and there, um, which I think is fascinating. But, um, you know, there's still a couple of problems with SAFs that aren't going to be solved by this because at the recent Dubai Air Show, as we've just talked about it, um, I caught up with Ewan McDonald, who's the chief customer officer of Rolls-Royce's commercial division. And he basically told me there's still a couple of issues where... Uh, with SAFs as far as they see. So he said the challenges are twofold. Um, The first is the capacity to make SAF because obviously uh, at the moment we're making um, SAF from, we're growing SAF in fields and so so forth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got to do that, but also ensure that um, there's not going to be, we're not going to be taking away land that could be used to grow food that's needed or to to deforest and take away trees because Mm. that's even worse, um, I think. Um, So, you know, he was saying if SAFs really want to be green, um, they have to be synthetic so they don't compete in these different areas. So basically they're made artificially, which I mean sounds 
fairly doable. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not a scientist on these issues. And he also said, you know, the second part is economic factors. And this is the same thing that we've said time and time and time again, because it's just this vicious cycle of it's really expensive, so no one's buying it. So no money's put into research and development. So small quantities are made, so it's really expensive, so nobody's buying it and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I can go on all day in this cycle. Um, so, I mean, it's really promising to see so much work is being done on SAFs and can't wait to see where it goes. Because mm. I also saw this morning that Embraer is also now looking to target 100% SAF flight next year. Mm. Yeah, they want to make all their products compatible with 100% SAF mm. by, I think it's 2026, something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, lots going on with all the OEMs on uh, sustainable aviation fuel. Yeah. Um, but to close off today, I don't want to talk about anything new. I want to talk about something old that's going to be new mm. because it's been almost two years since um, my... And it'll also be blue or purpley purple, blue purple yeah. <laughs> it's not purple no, is kind of blue, not though. something borrowed or purple anything is half blue. blue half red <laughs> so it's been almost two, you know. two years since my little local airline flyby um took its last flight uh, it was as everybody mm. knows europe's biggest regional airline and was a key airline in the uk market um, and of course it's been sorely missed by many airports and lots of communities particularly in the UK. Um, but, you know, the airline's... And aviation writers called Joe. Yes, the brand, uh, the airline's <laughs> brand and its remaining assets were sold to an investment vehicle. Um, we won't go all down the road of mm. what that means, but basically it means somebody else has got the rights to it. And rumours of its revival have been circulating pretty much since its uh, collapse. Well, last week mm. it moved closer to beginning operations because Flyby 2.0 took delivery of its first aircraft. And would you guess it? It's a de Havilland Canada Dash 8 400, um, the very same type of mm. aircraft used by the original Flyby and of what the original Flyby was the world's biggest operator. Um, the revived Flyby, however, is beginning operations with just one. Um, so the aircraft was delivered to Birmingham Airport, which will become Flybe's new mm. base. So for me, you know, that's a bit disappointing that it's not coming back to its um, yeah. ancestral home of Exeter Spiritual in Devon. <laughs> um, but Birmingham does mm. make a lot of sense in terms of regional connectivity. Uh, if you're interested, James Pearson has done a wonderful bit of analysis on all the profitable routes out of Birmingham and why it makes a lot of sense for the new Flybe. Um but I'm more interested in its planes. So it got its first turboprop through Nordic Aviation Capital, or NAC. Um, it's targeting a fleet of 32 aircraft. That's obviously a bit smaller than original Flyby. Um, and they haven't given any sort of mm. timeline as to when these will be delivered. Um, but obviously, you know, it's great to see their first aircraft arriving. But hang on a minute. Didn't they have an aircraft before? Um, if you've been following the Flyby story, you may remember we said that there was an aircraft registered for Flyby way back when. Um, it's, hmm. uh, it was around this time last year, actually. It was registered G-CLXC. Um, and it came into the UK. It arrived at Exeter, no less. Um, but it looks like the only reason they acquired that was for the AOC and for, for some sort of technicalities to do with getting all the operating licenses mm. it needed um, because it was never flown for Flybe. In fact, it left the UK back at the end of August and it's now flying regularly for PAL Airlines in Canada. Um, so this aircraft mm. that is going to be Flybe's, it's a 14-year-old Q400 turboprop. Um, it's current. Was it by any chance operated by Flybe yeah, 1.0? it was. <laughs> it 
It was delivered to Flybe the first in 2007, a return to the lessor in March 2020. Um, It's registered G-JECX. It may well get a new registration. I don't know at this stage because that was its original registration. Um, But they have reliveried it. I'm not sure that they repainted the tail or the engines at all. The the body's gone white and the flybee is now in purple rather than having a purple fuselage with a white flybee. But the the, the, the turboprop Mm. engines and the tail look very much as if they're in the original colours anyway. um, So this is Flybee 2.0's very first aircraft. Um, It came in from storage in Maastricht on November the 5th. Um, it was down in Exeter for a while, actually, likely getting a thorough maintenance check because the, the former Flybee still has some really good MRA facilities down at Exeter. Um, but it popped into Birmingham for the first time on the 25th. And since then, it's been doing lots of little short hops, visiting Exeter, Nottingham, Newquay, Cardiff and Liverpool. Um, I would suggest these are all proving flights for Flybee's initial services. So although they haven't announced any mm. routes, I think I probably just announced them for them because uh, I don't see why else. <laughs> they'd be going to all those airports and those would be the high priority for this new revived Flybe 2.0 to serve so a bit of a disappointment it's not coming back to the west country but really good to see the purple planes back in the sky mm. sounds great <laughs> no it doesn't you hate turboprops tom <laughs> i'll be really pleased to see them back and particularly if they come down to Newquay and exeter again um, so good, hmm. good luck to them and to uh, John Flieger, who is the airline's new CEO. Um, but I hmm. think that's about all we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can find us on simpleflying.com or search us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.